On the 5th of September 2019, a very special event took place at Mutemwa, a leprosy settlement in the northeast of Zimbabwe. It's about 80 miles from the capital, Harare. The leader of the church in Zimbabwe, Archbishop Ndlovu, was there, as well as four other bishops from the country and over 400 clergy. Oh, and about 15,000 people from all around. Why? To launch the cause for sainthood of an Englishman who had given his life while caring for the lepers at Mutemwa 40 years before. This was John Bradburn, who's now well on his way for beatification, depending, of course, on how quickly the wheels at the Vatican turn. He's already been designated a servant of God, which is the first step along the canonization road. We might call him England's next saint, bearing in mind that he's Zimbabwe's saint too. Indeed, that country's first. But what's especially interesting, and the point was made strongly in the homily during the Mass at Mutemwa, is that John was a layman, not a priest or a monk or a nun, which is the usual background for a saint. And this in itself is rather rare, but surely a role model for ordinary folk, yes? When John Bradburn's cause is successful, what could he be a patron saint of? Lepers, perhaps. Or the environment, given his huge concern to protect the fauna and flora of Zimbabwe and elsewhere. But maybe ecumenism. His longest work, a manuscript poem of over 10,000 lines, is called Ut Unum Sint, that they may be one. It reflects the diversity of his own spiritual background. Raised as an Anglican, he became a Catholic, frequently signed off his poems and letters as Jew, and in his travels had close encounters with Islam, Hinduism and Buddhism. Here's a small extract from Ut Unum Sint. That they all may be one in God's glorious Son, all the Christians so sadly divided, and come to the King who is shepherd, all flocks he will bring to one fold, and they safely shall graze in the spring, and the heavenly summer, all peoples he calls from his turret high up o'er Jerusalem's walls. Judaism, I imagine he would say these days, is part of our spiritual DNA. Here are some more lines that hammer the point home. Now come we to a deeper truth. True Catholics are Hebrews all, as much as David and St. Paul, and this as Eucharistic proof. The body and the blood of Christ, which are the Holy Eucharist, were of the Virgin Mary born at Bethlehem, on Christmas morn. And therefore Christ's humanity is wholly Hebrew, and when we receive in grace we truly be united with the Trinity. For Jesus Christ's divinity is hypostatically one with all that makes him Mary's son, 
and Hebrew fruit of Hebrew tree. So John Bradburn thinks of himself as a Catholic Jew, but one who also reads the Quran, is happy to pray in a mosque, and who ends one of his poems with the Islamic affirmation, Allah ek Akbar, God is great. Here he is in the port of Beira in Mozambique. I went into the Beira mosque and sat a while upon the floor fulfilling mat and then I prayed to power more divine than love of wine. Agape give for that. Agape, unconditional love. And this is a Christian who repeatedly praises Buddhist mysticism and sprinkles his manuscript writing with the Hindu sacred syllable Om. Listen to these lines. Where kindles love's eternal light on everlasting hills, Him, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost around that flame which thrills, Whilst each to each in simple speech begins it with shalom, Whence it proceeds as love it feeds, one syllable in om. And here's John himself reading a short poem called Grail Ageless which brings together three religious traditions in a single line and crowns them with a fourth. Oh, and the sannyasis he mentions are Hindu religious mendicants. Grail ageless, shalom, salam, om mani padme hum, we have it east, increased is in the west, and sealed by medieval Christendom, all that sannyasis ever thought the best. Cloud of unknowing, grail that bore the king, bid me adore. That reference to braying is typical John, who describes himself as an ass. He's saying there's nothing more he can say after the powerful statement, Grail that bore the king, bid me adore. Except this was written in 1971, and there are eight more years of poetry to follow. I've never read anyone who taps so deeply into so many religious traditions. His conclusion in Utunam Sint is therefore unsurprising. Hindus and Buddhists, Anglicans and many quaint Americans and legion others, if they seek sincerely, are the Saviour's sheep. Tis men of faith whom God doth choose. And pray remember that the Jews of old were his own faithful race. We are adopted by his grace. The world needs a signpost pointing clearly towards the possibility of religious unity. John Bradburn provides it in a unique way. There are many examples of people from different spiritual traditions displaying a willingness to come together. What John does in his poems is show how it's possible to integrate these traditions into a single personality, a single vision. 
In a world full of suspicions and tensions between Christians, Jews, Muslims and Hindus, to name just four, he is a much-needed symbol of hope. So that's the religious side of John's ecumenical spirit. But we can see it again in the way he approaches the arts, especially in music. His enthusiasm for music goes back a long way. When he was a child, he recalls repeatedly listening to classical music on gramophone records. And he was a musician himself, both as singer and player. First the recorder, later the harmonium, abilities which he put to good use in the tiny Mutemwa church. Music for him has a greater function than providing auditory pleasure. Listen to what he says in the introduction to Ut Unum Sint. There is on earth a music that expresses at the same time both heavenward longing and profound peace of soul. Such music seems to say, We are mortals, yes, but promised immortality. We are pilgrims, but our native lands in sight, so our hearts can rejoice as we journey. And he goes on, This mood may be found among works of certain great composers, especially Bach, but its most complete expression is in the plain song of the church, in the chant called Gregorian. Of this chant, the Holy Spirit is the composer, for all the liturgy is work of his direct inspiration. And the singer is Christ's church, the mystical body of the Son. Over thirty composers are mentioned in his poems, but Bach receives the greatest accolades. Here's what he has to say about one of Bach's compositions. His little fugue in minor G, my lady wafted to my soul, before my being all was hers, who chooses chords which Christ prefers. But now that she has made me whole in one alone, she loveth best. I bid Bach's magic manifest the words which instruments have guessed as happily as ever I could dream. Great pan to glorify. Now, here's the fascinating thing. Not only does he write a poem about the little fugue, he actually writes one in which the rhythm of the lines follows exactly the rhythm of the music. Let's listen to the opening of the fugue first. And here's his poem, Holy Harp, written in 1949. 
holy harp, with me all Christ's creation sang, in the words of David, whose psalming lifted this earth in the power of praising, t'was his heart disclosed God's orchestra to man. This sad world reflects in music lasting peace. All you lonely, all who are sighing, look to the Lord on his goodness relying, for in music he assures us care shall cease. Do you hear the music in the lines? Let me read those last few lines again in a semi-chant. This sad world reflects in music lasting peace. All you lonely, all who are sighing, look to the Lord on his goodness relying, for in music he assures us care shall cease. And that was written in 1949, when he was 28. I'll end this week with another few words from the introduction he wrote to Ut Unum Sint. A better statement of the spirituality of music, it would be hard to find. Thus the Good Shepherd sings in our midst, for the glory and honour and praise of his Father, and for the eternal peace and blessing of his flock, and his song is heard in its sublime beauty, in the monastic choirs of the great contemplative orders, whose work above all works is the singing of divine office, the opus dei, and the chanting of those monks whose life is Christ, is infinitely more than an art. It is the voice of love incarnate, the music of the Lord, and the folding of many in one.